So my name is Vince Kaler. I'm one of the, the pastors here at the church and uh, so blessed to work with such a great team of people. Uh, I, like many of you, probably over half of you, uh, haven't been here all that long. Uh, started coming to Calvary Church right as COVID was wrapping up. Uh, I still remember sending Greg emails and like signing up for our family to be here and talking to our young adult kids who all at that point lived at home and saying, guys, like if we're committing to this, there's only 50 people allowed to be in that building. So like you can't pull out. If I tell Greg we're coming, we're going. And then 50 of us would gather. And now there's like 10 times, 11 times that of us in this building. And that's only like a year and a half ago. It's crazy what the Lord's done. It's exciting to be a part of his work here at Calvary Church. Church, I believe that the Lord wants to speak this morning to our hearts. Um, Spent this week and I get a bit, I don't even want to call it nervous. I get excited uh, because I know whenever I get the opportunity to speak, like the Lord he moves, and yet, like, I'll tell you, I was here till late last night and going, like, okay, Lord, you got to clear the brain fog. Um, I need to know where you want me to go, actually, with today. Lots of different thoughts, and it's, you know, Dave just prayed for me before, and he's like, now it's, it's time to execute. All those thoughts are going to just go, Bleh! you know, and that's, that's good. And I just, I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work that out in our thoughts and in our minds. But I walked, I, I walked through every row this week and prayed over here. And we sang a song that says, you are here touching every heart, every heart. And as we sang that, I got shivers. I have them again over my body because I walked here and I didn't know the song list when I was singing that. He already has touched your heart, whether you are accepting that today or not. And he's here and he wants to heal things. He wants to heal brokenness. He wants to heal physical things in your life. And he wants you to just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. I'm convinced of that. Last night as I was struggling in my office a bit, I don't even know where the passage popped up. It wasn't because I, I know it, but it wasn't because it was out of memory that it just was like, that one, here's a fight verse. But 1 Corinthians 2 says this, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ or Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. This week has not been a grand week. I, I feel like I, I pleaded with the Lord. Tell, like, I don't want to tell everybody my weakness again. I don't like that. To be honest, I've, I'm kind of tired of that journey. For those of you who are newer here, I've been on an eight-year treatment world of cancer and battling cancer. And I feel like I'm constantly on a weak side of things. And yet we know Scripture says, when you are weak, I am strong. And I've learned to rest in that. But then this week, I got, last week, Sunday, I wasn't here because I got hammered with a cold that really wasn't, I feel like it was more of an attack than a cold because 7.30 in the evening, I'd start coughing and I'd cough till 5 in the morning. I'd wake up at 6 or 7, finally get ready to go to work, nothing. And all day long, I'd be like, great, tonight I'm going to sleep. No, 
You know, last night's the first night I've like slept and had rest in eight days. You know how foggy my brain felt yesterday? As I'm preparing to come and share with you, there is nothing that's going to come from me today. It's going to be the Spirit actually just saying, okay, this is what I want to say to people. Because I'll be honest, I feel weak. I'm tired. I'm tired of my brain not firing like I would like it to. But I also totally know that I can stand up here totally confident that the Lord wants to say something. So Jesus, would you have your way? God, would you come and speak to hearts? Would you touch hearts? Would you draw people close to you? Would you, would you reveal how much you love us? How for us you are? Thank you, Father, that you will provide everything we need. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always with us. Amen. <clears throat> so we've just come through the Easter season a couple weeks ago. And uh, we're in this time where Jesus was just showing up and proving his resurrection. You know, I shared with you a... Oh, I've got a clicker here somewhere. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I, was, I spent some time in Israel in, uh, in 2018. And as I was preparing this message and, and reading about the occurrences of Jesus showing up, one of the things that came up was that like, the, for two generations after Jesus went, ascended back to heaven, people didn't actually question. They maybe didn't follow him. They weren't calling themselves Christians. But the majority of people said, yes, Jesus died and was resurrected because he had shown himself so many times to so many people. John talks about that John, there's only certain amount of things that are recorded, but so much more the Lord was already doing. And he's proved himself. So today I want to look at one of those stories, one of the stories of Jesus showing up to a disciple. I've been drawn to Peter. And uh, a little bit of his radicalness, his like, I'm all in, and then I'm really making a big mistake, and then I'm all in. But he just like, Jesus says, come follow me. Yep, I'm on my way. Wherever you want me to go. And I've been drawn to Peter over and over. He totally loved the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He believed in Jesus. In fact, he had so much faith that when, he, when Jesus is walking out on the water, he steps out of the boat and just, okay, I'm going to go for you. Jesus, you tell me to come, I'm going to step out. And he goes after Jesus. But then at the same time, we see that when he's threatened and his own security and reputation is threatened, Peter denies even knowing him three times. This is just before Jesus' death. I cannot help but wonder, this guy who's radically in for Jesus and then denies him out of fear and trembling, what will it have been like after now Jesus is gone? The guilt. The, oh man, that sucks. Why did I do that? Over Easter week, a close friend of mine and mentor, Reg Penner, passed away after a short 40-day battle with cancer. Can I... You know how much that wrecks me when somebody passes away with a short 40-day battle? When I've been battling it for eight years, and I start to go, oh, Lord, thank you for keeping me alive. But man, last week Rob said something. He said he challenged us about you know, you don't know how many hours and days you have. And then right away, as he said, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I've had a bit of a burr in my saddle with that. 
If you feel manipulated about that, can you check your reality button? You don't know. My friend Reg Penner called me, and 40 days later, he was in his coffin. It's not manipulation, it's reality. You don't know the time or the hour. Your life is here today and gone tomorrow. It is a mist. It is so fast. What are you going to do with those hours? Reg was my first boss. Started working for him when I was 13 years old. We still have a kitchen knife in our cabinets from him and Igrid as a wedding gift. I have sat with Reg countless hours talking about providing for my family, gleaning wisdom from him. I've sat with him and talked ministry. The last five to ten years, I'd go to his office and we would talk about ministry and ministry dreams and plans and reaching community and Eagle Lake Bible Camp and supporting ministries and poured out our love for Jesus together. The last two weeks, I've had feelings of ache inside my heart about this relationship and how much I miss Reg and that relationship that I had. How do you think the disciples are feeling today? Two, three weeks after Jesus' death on the cross. He's now showing up, but even in that, they're in the process of trying to figure this all out. I want us to understand the heart and what they were feeling. They were human beings. These are human beings. These aren't just stories. These are human beings like you and I going through life experiencing life, experiencing traumas, experiencing hardships. There's so many hard things and confusing things in life. And Peter will have been feeling that. So, if you have a Bible with you, well, that I definitely can't read. I'm not as advanced as Rob up here, but maybe he's just got so much better eyes than me. If you have a Bible with you, I want to look at John chapter 21. And this is Jesus appears to seven disciples, including Peter. We're going to read chapter 21, starting at verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Let's see if this works. Uh, Nope. Sheila, can you advance it to that slide? So it's kind of foggy there, and it is literally foggy that day, but that is the Sea of Tiberias from my hotel room. And so if you want a bit of a visual... Uh, that is it. Um, sea of Tiberias, or it's actually the Sea of Galilee. It's in, that's from the city of Tiberias looking over. And that was the sun was starting to come up. Uh, so beautiful. We can leave it there. Simon Peter Thomas, called a twin, Nathan of Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Remember? He's mourning. He's at this place of, like, I'm bummed out. What does he want to go do? I'm going back to what I did. I'm going fishing. It's where I feel comfortable. I'm going into the boat. And they said to him, hey, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What a great night of fishing. Alfred told me this morning, I just love going fishing. It doesn't matter if I even catch anything, right? Just get out on the water. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, so it's going to tell us here in a little bit that he was about 100 yards out. They were about 100 yards out. I I paced this off from this back wall to that back wall is about 50 yards. 
So it's about twice the length of this building. They're out on the water. If you've ever been out on the water about that far, you can stand on the shore and be like, hey, children, do you have any fish? And they're going to hear it. It's amazing how much sound travels on the water. So Jesus says, hey, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said, cast your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now, I don't know about your eyesight. I don't know what the... Don't think the next one... There's a different picture there yet. That's the... One more. I don't know about your eyesight... But my eyesight isn't very good when I'm about 100 yards away and on the water and looking at the shore. But this picture here is the Sea of Galilee. And I'm thinking that that boat in the middle is about 100 yards out. And so Jesus is standing on the shore. And I believe it's John that says, like, it's Jesus. He recognizes it right away. And Peter then, I love this. It's the Lord. Then Simon Peter heard it that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea. Total Peter thing to do. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish, for they were not far off from land, but about about 100 yards. How many of you have tried to swim 100 yards? No problem, right? Like, from here to the back wall? Oh, man. I remember one time I was on a pastor's retreat. We were at a cabin at, uh, I won't remember the lake. doesn't matter. There was a little bay, and we were going to swim from one side of the bay to the other. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a strong swimmer. I can easily do that. Let's do it. So Barry Platt and I jump off the dock, and we start swimming. Halfway, I'm like, I am going to (laughs) die. Like, no doubt. And it was only about 100 yards. Now, Peter was probably in way better shape than me, but I was started to, I didn't panic. I knew just stay calm. I will make it. I know how to float pretty well, but that's a long way to swim. And Peter here, just his response, I'm all in. I'm, I, I got to get there before the boat. If that's Jesus, I got to get there. I got to talk to him. I'm wondering about like, is this the guilt and all the things that he's been going through that emotions? I'm wondering, is he like, I just got to get right with Jesus. I got to get right with him. I, if that's him, I want to talk with him. I suspect that I've heard many sermons about like why they're out at night and because they're now scared. That could all be true. I want to look at the heart. Like what's the heart of these human beings in this story? I can identify, I think, with Peter a little bit, just wanting to get back into that presence of Jesus. Um, one of the things over the past two weeks that I've regretted, I, I really, I didn't think my close friend would pass away that fast. Um, I realize now when it's not working. Turn it on. Um, I didn't get to go hold Reg's hand and talk with him in the hospital. And I regret that. For the last two weeks, it's bugged me that I didn't force myself in there and I allowed little tickles on my throat and all these little excuses. To be honest, facing somebody and sitting with someone who's facing death for me is incredibly hard. I've, I've personally stared it down three, four times in my life. Like legit. Wondered, am I going to make it to tomorrow? 
And so when I walk into a hospital room, there's all kinds of things coming at me. But I regret that I didn't go sit with my close friend. So I'm wondering, is that what Peter's feeling? Oh, just get me out of here. I'm swimming across. I got to get there first. I kind of suspect, it's not written in here, but I wonder, that boat probably just rolled in right alongside him. Maybe. I don't know. Let's continue reading. There's so much good stuff in this passage. Thank you, Sheila. When they got out on the on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Sounds like a good day on Lake of the Woods. And although there were so many in the net, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast with me. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to disciples after he was raised from the dead. Come have breakfast with me. Let's have a shore lunch. How many, how many people have had a shore lunch? Like out on the water? Is there, is there actually anything better? I, I don't. So I've coined something. It's called the triple P meal. Pickerel, pierogies, and Pepsi. I'll tell you, if I could bring the island of Lake of the Woods to Steinbeck and, and set up a little restaurant and sell pickerel, pierogies, and Pepsi, be amazing. Summer in the city, if you want to have a stand, call it the triple P meal. So good. This is what Jesus does, though. And when he returns, he serves them. He didn't have to. He could have just revealed himself. Look, Peter, it's me. Nail hands, it's me. No, he prepares a meal for them. Come, let's have breakfast. I don't need more reasons to schedule more breakfast meetings, but this sure sounds like I do. (laughs) I got scripture to back it up. Bring on, you know? I am already known at at our bistro, and, and that's good. Yesterday morning cool experience sitting with a few men from calvary at sky high having breakfast we're talking it's the old jay's jay's cafe we're talking visiting and all of a sudden randy walks in oh randy's here and he sits down at a table that he was smart enough to reserve and uh daryl walks in and jeremy walks in and i think wes i think that was the fourth guy that walked in and sit down at their table they're having breakfast There's four guys at my table having breakfast. Then I walk out and I see Rockford's having breakfast at another table. Guys, don't underestimate the power of having breakfast and talking with somebody and serving people and just straight spending time around the fire with them. Don't underestimate that. I'm sure that those of you who enjoy the outdoors and have sat around a fire, start shooting the breeze... All of a sudden, you start to just, ugh, ugh. This is what's going on in life. Jesus set the stage for the disciples, and then he addresses Peter here. He sets the stage, 
serving them, loving on them. And he addresses Peter. And this is what I want us to think about today. Next slide. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus did not jump all over Peter here and tell him what a failure you are in front of the presence of the rest of the disciples. He had the right to. He didn't, though. He served him. He served him a meal. And then... He asks him three times, just like Peter denied him three times, he asks him three times to reaffirm his love for him. The first time, do you love me? I'm going to say this a lot, and I want you to be asking yourself, can you answer, yes, Jesus, I love you. The first time he asks him, do you love me more than these? Calvary Church Do you love Jesus more than these? More than anything? If he hit the eject button on you, I want you to go here and serve in Rwanda. Yes, Lord, I love you that much. I want you to go serve somewhere in Steinbeck that you don't want to be. Yes, Lord, I love you that much. He's asking in front of all of his buddies, do you love me more than you love the rest of these? To which Peter says, yes. And then he says, go feed my lambs. Go serve. Get going. The second time, again, do you love me? Then go tend to the, to the sheep. Go tend to the herd. There doesn't seem to me that Jesus actually allows us to just say, yes, Jesus, I love you, and then sit on our hands. Yes, Jesus, I love Then go feed my sheep. Then go tend to the flock. Does your heart burn for the people inside of this church when they're aching, like Kim was talking about here? I can tell you there's a lot of feeding and tending needing to be done inside of 550 people, 600 people, a lot. And I can also tell you that there is absolutely no way that Greg, Rob, and myself, and the rest of the staff here can do it alone. Not going to happen. The Spirit, this is something too, the veil is torn. We sang this, the veil is torn. The Spirit's been implanted into each one of you, and he will speak to your heart about who needs to be tended. Be obedient to it. You want to see the Lord move? Start being obedient to that nudge on your heart. Send that text. How are you doing? Huh. You know, this morning, I, man, I got a text this morning from someone I text 
earlier, maybe even last week sometime, and the words that he, he texted me back this morning were bang on. He was obedient this morning to send me the text this morning to say, Vince, the Lord is with you. And to pray over me and to encourage me had really not anything to do with the text that I had sent him. Be obedient to tending the flock. And again, the third time, do you love me? And he tells him again, go and serve. Go and serve. Just get active. Be busy serving the Lord. There's so much work to be done. Verse 18 and 19 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. It may not be where you want to go. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord. I love you. For Peter, this is said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. We know by church history books that Peter was a martyr. He was crucified. I read a few things on that. I'm I'm sure that Rob could give you a long spiel on this part. I I won't. I'm going to tell you this. It may not be where the Lord, where you want to go, but are you willing to say yes to it? He will, he will bless you every time when you take that step. And it may cost you your life. As you know it. Peter it caught, literally cost him his life. Jesus says, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The same words that he told him originally. Peter, follow me. Matthew 16, 24 to 26. I don't have these ones up on the slide. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I believe the Lord is just saying to Peter, Peter, just go do the things that you saw me doing. Serve people. Feels like, like, That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples all the time, and they never got it. Matt mentioned it on Good Friday. Like, they're arguing after the Last Supper. Who's going to be the greatest? Not exactly a servant heart. They didn't even get it all the way. And yet when we read about Jesus, and we have have the scripture that we get to read, we just see this person who, like, served. At every opportunity, he served people. He loved people. He cared. He He didn't come and just, like, beat people up. He came and served them. As Peter and the other disciples are listening to this around the campfire, they must have been wondering about and thinking about the times that they were traveling through different towns and different times that they seen Jesus. Because Jesus is referring to sheep, feed my sheep, and we maybe don't totally understand that. Coming from Blumenort, uh, everyone understood farmer talk a lot more. But tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Matthew 9 says this, and I think this is just like the heart. Let's look at the heart of Jesus. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Something that's been heavy on my heart lately is like kingdom thinking. Not 
not closed-in thing, but kingdom thinking. Let's start thinking about the kingdom bigger than just Calvary or just the individual churches. It's about the kingdom. I want the kingdom to come. Jesus said he wants his kingdom to be ushered in. And that's, we're a part of that. But he's preaching about the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I love it, Greg. Let's go after it. This is what he did. He healed sicknesses. Do it. And then he said to the crowds, sorry, when he saw the crowds, he was moved to compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. I'm sure most of you have heard that a ton of times. Again, I want to look at the heart here. When Jesus walked into a room, and tonight, when we walk into a room, and there's people up here who who are asking for healing, if we go to them, and I want to pray over you for healing with a proud heart, because we want this to happen, and not a heart of compassion and brokenness, and Greg, it breaks my heart that you're feeling this way, or that you're struggling with this, that it literally breaks my heart. We cannot expect to see the miracle of healing if we're entering it with any pride in our heart, and this is going to be about Vince laying hands on that person and then them being healed. Jesus walked through these towns and had compassion. He was broken for them. When you're broken for somebody, you're actually going to serve them. You're not going to just beat them up right away and tell them, well, if you do the X, Y, and Z, then you'll be healed. Not going to happen. Jesus' heart was aching for these people as he walked into their town and saw the brokenness because that is not the way the Father intended for our lives to be. And man, I look forward to Jesus returning and getting my heavenly body and this being done, like the struggles being done. I look forward to that. Our hearts and our posture has to be right before the Lord. I think if Jesus were here today, he'd be doing that exact same thing. And as I was wrote that, I'm like, yeah, but Jesus is asking you and me to do that exact right? As a follower of Jesus, to live my life following Jesus and the example that he left for me, walking into towns and having compassion on them, feeling broken for them, praying for the sick, healing them. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Think if Jesus were here today, and I'm going to ask you this, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, I think the same question would be for you as he asked Peter on that fire. Do you love me? Like, really? Do you love me? Do you love me? He'd do it at least three times to get your heart to the point of saying that it was grieved. It hit me this morning as I was thinking that Peter's heart was grieved by the question the third time. The first time, yeah, you know I love you. Second time, yeah, you know I love you. But Heiko, do you love me? This is going to cost me something. Yeah, Jesus, you know I love you. I'm all in. I'm all in. Our calling is to reflect Jesus to this world. That's our calling as followers of Jesus. 
Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would lose his life will lose it. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is not for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father. And when then he will repay every person according to what he has done. Then he will repay every person according to what he has done. That's a big topic. I'm not motivated to do works because of a verse like this. I'm motivated to do works because of Christ crucified on the cross, which gets me into the presence and allows me into the presence of God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I cannot do nothing but serve him because I love him. But this does point to something here, that there will be works. James is like, I love the book of James because it, it speaks to my brain fog. I can understand it. it. Probably a grade two reading level. He's pretty blunt about faith without works is dead. Doesn't, does not compute. Feed my sheep. You love me? Say you've got faith? Feed my sheep. Love on my people. Get active. It does not work not to be. Brothers and sisters, we have an amazing opportunity in eight weeks to serve our community. 20,000 people last summer were on the streets during summer in the city. That's eight weeks away. 20,000 people walking around to serve and love. I can tell you there's some darkness on those streets during summer in the city. Ask Andrew and Tracy. They were right there at the stabbing last year during Summer in City, broad daylight. Go sit down with Heiko and ask him what happens between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the morning. Pretty dark. But there's light, and we can bring the light. I was privileged to walk with Heiko and, and Taylor and a few others and hang out around the clock tower there's a bunch of dark stuff going on. And hand out water bottles. And bring the light. Talk with kids. Make sure that they made their way home safe after they had had a few of not water bottles. And just love them. We didn't sit around the fire and beat them up. How's it going today? Eh, it's a little rough, isn't it? Yeah, I love you though. Here's some water. Have you had enough water? Here's some water. Heiko and I would make trips back and forth to YFC, picking up water bottles. Church, we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus over somewhere in the city and just be a light. Just serve people. Give them breakfast, not physically, but there's a whole bunch that we would need to do if we're going to actually feed people. Last year during Summer in the City, we did a few things, and, and we want to do them again. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that and praying about that. I, I, I think really important, I need a prayer leader to, to come to me and say, Vince, I'm willing to organize prayer from 
the time Summer in the City starts in the morning to the time Summer in the City shuts down when Heiko is getting those last kids out at 2 o'clock in the morning. We need people praying that whole time. And I'd really love to see that, like, going the whole time. I need people who are just... I was thinking this morning, Mavis often says to me, you know, Vince, like, we could keep... We could get going. Like, you don't know when to stop talking. Like, if that's you, and you're like me, you're walking up and down Main Street, and there's, like, people pulling you over. Like, oh, hey, hey, let's chat. That's I need you. Because I need you walking up and down Main Street, just bringing the presence of Jesus, loving on people, caring for people. Last year, we gave out... I think $2,500 worth of ride tickets to people. Some would go, hmm, that was really a waste of money. And others have been like, that was the most amazing thing, that your church was on the street giving people ride tickets. That blessed our family. That was amazing. So we're going to do a T-shirt again. This is going to be our shirt this year for Summer in the City. Um, That too, last year, three weeks, we had to plan this whole thing, make shirts, all kinds of stuff. The Lord provided. That shirt was like, it wasn't that one exactly, but we put together this shirt, and I'm wondering, like, ah, is this going to make a big difference? I had this vision, like, all these shirts walking on Main Street, but really wasn't sure what it would do. By the end of the weekend, people were just pulling me and Mavis to the side and be like, hey, like, what's up with this shirt? We didn't have to go be pushy, stand on a soapbox, and be like, you all need Jesus, or you're going to die. We just wore a shirt, and they came to us and said, hey, what's up with this shirt? Oh, we're from Calvary Church. We want to be a blessing. We want to serve people. Is there anything we can pray for you? Boom. That's it. Just serve them. Not that difficult. So this is what I want to try with these shirts. I'm hoping to have a, a few of them for next week. What I want to try with these shirts, it costs, I'm going to make them, it costs me about 10 bucks, let's say, give or take, to make that shirt. And then we're going to try to put as many people in those shirts as possible on the street during the weekend. Um, Those who are volunteering will probably just give you the shirt. This isn't about making money. But I also know that it was a big deal when we were serving the community and giving them ride tickets. So I want to use this as a bit of a fundraiser also. Well, I'll give you a shirt if you give me 10 bucks. I'll give any of you a shirt like this for 10 bucks. And then any money we make above and beyond that amount, we're going to stick in ride tickets. We have some money in our our budget for it, so I have an amount that I want, but I would love to see that blown out of the water, actually. Because, like, some of the young adults, I gave them ride tickets, and they were back at me within, like, 20 minutes. Like, do you have more? Do you have more? Well, I don't have a million dollars. We can't, like, we can't make Summer in the City all free rides for everybody, but we could give away a lot of ride tickets, so I'd like, I'd like to try that. And I would love to see a lot of these shirts. There's one thing. Do you love Jesus? When you say yes, buy a shirt. It's not a, like, I'm not trying to promo, but I don't actually, like, if you're going to go out there and be slandering Jesus on the streets, then I don't really want you wearing the shirt. To be, to be real, I don't, I don't then. I want you to say, I love Jesus, and I want him to be made known. Vince, I have no idea how to do that. You know how to do it? Have you ever wondered, how do you tell people about Jesus? You serve them. Start by serving them. Loving on them. Make them breakfast. Invite them for breakfast. Now now it's all out. The next ten guys that I invite for breakfast are going to be like, he's trying to evangelize me. (laughs) You're right. 
Church, let's be praying about it, okay? And if you have a heart, the Lord's touching your heart for something in summer in the city, we're planning to have a tent. We've, we're we're going to get the real estate out front here. I just want us to be present all weekend long. Schedule yourself to be present at summer in the city because we can actually touch lives in this city over that weekend right on our front doorstep, literally. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God, worship team, you can come on up. God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness, your worthiness of all of our praise and all of our worship. Thank you, Jesus, that though we are weak and frail, there's so much junk going on in our lives, you give us strength. You sustain us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that this morning you would touch hearts that just feel totally bummed out. God, that we would say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I don't understand. I don't have it all figured out. But yes, Jesus, I love you. Amen. After the worship, I would invite you, if you want someone to pray for you, uh, this area up front is for you. You need to say, yes, Jesus. I need you. Has the Lord been tugging on your heart? Is he sending you? And you're scared. I want to pray for you. I remember my call to ministry. Clearly. Terrified. Knees trembling. At a conference. And I had four guys that I found at a Promise Keepers event. I found four men that I knew. And I said, guys, can you, if you see me up there, don't leave me standing there alone, okay? Can you just gather around me and pray for me? And that was, I believe, my commissioning. My heart was saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I want to serve you. Yes, Jesus, but I'm terrified, Jesus. Yes. And he just said, go feed my sheep. And then he gathered brothers around me. We prayed, and I've been in ministry for 20 plus years from that time. An uneducated high school dropout. Jesus can use anybody. When you say, yes, Jesus, I love you.